Greetings, my podcast friends. This is Dr. Harlan Betts, and I'm delighted to welcome you to Wisdom from Above. This podcast is designed to help us move beyond the reasoning of men to the revelation of God. In light of current events taking place in Israel, I've chosen to investigate a psalm that answers many of the questions people are asking today. Why is there such a bitter conflict between the Arabs and the Jews? Who is the rightful owner of the land of Israel? Is Israel wrongly occupying Palestinian land? Abraham's firstborn son was Ishmael, and he was born of Abraham and his wife's Egyptian handmaid, Hagar. Ishmael is the father of the Arabs. Abraham's second-born son was Isaac. Isaac was born of Abraham and his wife Sarah, and Isaac was the chosen son that God had promised. Isaac is the father of Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, and Jacob had 12 sons who headed the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob is the father of the Jews. There has been a perpetual conflict between the Arabs and the Jews. But there's more to this story. Let's pick up this story in Genesis chapter 25. Isaac took Rebekah as his wife, and she conceived. And the Bible says, The children struggled together within her. And she said, If all is well, why am I this way? And she went to inquire the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the elder shall serve the younger. And when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red like a hairy garment. So they called his name Esau. Afterwards, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Jacob's descendants are the Jews. Esau's descendants are the Edomites. The Edomites were part of the Arab people and representative of the nations that hated the Jewish people. But what is the bone of contention between the Jews and Arabs? When I was a kid, I thought a bone of contention was a bone you half swallowed while trying to eat fish. <laughs> now I understand that a bone of contention is really the heart of a disagreement. A bone of contention is the central cause of a conflict. So what we're asking is this. What is the bone of contention between the Arabs and the Jews? Well, I believe the bone of contention is a deep and abiding hatred that the Arabs have towards the Jews. It could be called anti-Semitism. You might be asking, why would you say that the Arabs have a, a hatred for the Jews? Do, do you have any support for that statement? Well, yes. As a matter of fact, I do have support. 
for that statement. The first line of support is the biblical. Ezekiel 35 reveals that the Edomites have had a perpetual hatred for Israel, and they want to possess the land that belongs to Israel. The second line of support is historical. The Seattle Times on October 14, 1955, reported that Premier Nasser of Egypt said, quote, Arab loathing for the Jews is so great that any talk of peace is idle, end of quote. And that hatred continues to this day. And the third line of support is existential. Several Islamic terrorist groups call for the eradication of Jews from the promised land and the extermination of the Jews in general. Both Hamas and Hezbollah are Islamic terrorist organizations. In its 1988 charter, Hamas maintained that Palestine is an Islamic homeland that can never be surrendered to non-Muslims and that waging holy war, jihad, to wrest control of Palestine from Israel is a religious duty for Palestinian Muslims. Jeffrey Goldberg, editor-in-chief of The Atlantic, called the Hamas Charter, quote, a frank and open call for genocide embedded in one of the most thoroughly anti-Semitic documents you'll read, end of quote. From the inception of Hezbollah to the present, the elimination of the state of Israel has been one of Hezbollah's primary goals. Some translations of Hezbollah's 1985 Arab language manifesto state that, quote, our struggle will end only when Israel is obliterated, end of quote. So the Arabs want to possess all the land from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. They want to possess all of Judea and Samaria, all of Israel and Judah. And many don't just want to kill every Jew in the promised land. They want to kill every Jew in the world. Now, don't miss this. There are 22 Arab countries, but only one Jewish country. The population of the Arab countries is over 453 million people. The population of Israel is 7 million people. There are 50 Muslim-majority nations. There's only one Jewish-majority nation, and that's Israel. Earth is home to more than 1.9 billion, billion, with a B, Muslims. Earth is home to 15 million Jews. Arab countries comprise a total area of more than 5 million square miles. Israel composes an area of 8,000 square miles, about the size of New Hampshire. And yet, many Arabs want the land of Israel. The Bible gives us this insight in Ezekiel chapter 35. God declares to Edom, I will stretch out my hand against you and make you desolate, because you have had a perpetual hatred and have shed the blood of the children of Israel by the power of the sword, and because you have said, These two nations, Israel and Judah, shall be mine, and we will possess them 
although the Lord was there. This prophecy continues in Ezekiel chapter 36, where the Lord declares that he has spoken against the rest of the nations and against all Edom, who gave my land to themselves as a possession. So the Lord's hand is is going to be against all the nations who are trying to take the land of Israel as a possession. You see, God is the rightful owner of the land of Israel. He is the creator of heaven and earth. And in this Ezekiel prophecy, the Lord calls Israel and Judah, my land. The land of Israel belongs to God. He dwells there. Psalm 48 talks about that in the first three verses. God can give his land to whomever he chooses, and he chose to give the land to the descendants of Jacob, to the Jews. Well, this brings us to the psalm we're going to look at today. Psalm 105, verses 7 to 11. Let me read them. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations. The covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as the allotment for your inheritance. So what do we learn in Psalm chapter 105 verses seven to 11? Well, four things stand out and I want to highlight all four of them. First, Psalm 105 tells us that God remembers his covenant. Notice it is called God's covenant. Second, Psalm 105 tells us that God's covenant was made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Israel. Third, Psalm 105 tells us that in this covenant, God declared, I will give you the land of Canaan. God is giving the land of Canaan to Israel. Fourth, Psalm 105 tells us that it was an everlasting covenant. Therefore, the land of Canaan, which is often referred to as Palestine, belongs to Israel forever. Psalm 105 is referring to to the Abrahamic covenant. Since God made this covenant with Abraham, and then with Isaac, and then Jacob or Israel, it is critical that we understand the promises God made, and it's critical that we understand how to interpret those promises. In order to understand the Abrahamic covenant, we must go back 4,000 years to the time of Abraham and look at exactly what this covenant entails. It's recorded in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Let's check it out. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, notice the tense of the verb in this verse, the Lord had said to Abraham, it's a flashback, the call to Abraham came when Abraham was still in Ur of the Chaldees. This is made clear in Acts chapter 7, 1 to 5. Now back to Genesis 12, 1 to 3. Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get out of your country, 
from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. These three verses are three of the most important verses in all the Bible. These verses contain the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is found in Genesis 12, 13, 15, 17, and 22. The Abrahamic covenant is repeated to Isaac in Genesis 26 and to Jacob in Genesis 28 and 35. Genesis 12, 1 to 3 is a foundational passage. It is foundational for understanding how to interpret the Bible, how to understand Israel, how to understand the church, how to understand salvation, how to understand prophecy. God's dealing with Israel began right here. There are three major promises in the Abrahamic covenant. Number one, land. <clears throat> Excuse me. Genesis 12.1, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and your father's house to a land that I will show you. Is this real land? I mean, terra firma, dirt? Yes. Is this a specific piece of real estate here on earth? Yes. It's evident that God is making a point about the land. Notice in these next six verses. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan, and Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said to your descendants, I will give this land and there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Abraham was clearly promised land. Number two, seed. I will make you a great nation. God is promising Abraham seed, children, descendants that will make up a great nation, the nation of Israel. Look again at Genesis twelve seven. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your seed I give this Land. This promise is reconfirmed to Abraham's son Isaac in Genesis chapter 26, and then to Isaac's son Jacob in Genesis chapter 28 and 35. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. He had 12 sons, each one heading a tribe of Israel. The seed promise is related to the nation of Israel. A nation needs three things land, seed, and a constitution. There's much more to this promise. It actually relates to Jesus Christ as the promised seed, but that will have to wait for another podcast. Abraham was promised seed, many descendants becoming a nation. And then number three, blessing. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God is declaring his intent to bless Abraham, to bless the nation that would come from Abraham, and to bless the entire world through Abraham. This blessing on other nations is directly dependent on their attitude towards Abraham and the promised seed. I believe that America has been blessed because America has been a blessing to Israel. 
If we ever turn against Israel, we will cease to experience God's blessing. Abram was promised blessing. Now, how are these promises of the Abrahamic covenant to be interpreted? Well, there are three characteristics of these promises that are revealed in the next chapter. Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 to 17. The first is that they're to be interpreted literally. It is literal. We interpret the Bible in its normal, natural sense. This is the golden rule of Bible interpretation. When the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. It is obvious from this passage of Scripture that this is to be understood literally. Look at Genesis 13, 14 and 15. And the Lord had said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes now and look from the place where you are, northward, southward, eastward, and westward, for all the land which you see, for all the land which you see, I give to you and to your descendants forever. The land which you see refers to literal land. I give it to you and your descendants. This refers to literal children and grandchildren, the whole nation of Israel, all the Jews. Look at Genesis 13, verses 16 and 17. And I will make your seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then your seed could also be numbered. Arise, walk in the land through its length and width, for I give it to you. This is clearly speaking of literal land and literal descendants. When the Bible says land, it means land. When it says seed or descendants, it means seed or descendants. When the Bible says blessings, that means blessings. The Abrahamic covenant is literally talking about land, seed, and blessing. So it's literal. Number two, it's eternal. Genesis thirteen fifteen. For all the land which you see, I give to you and to your seed forever. God says he's giving this land to Israel and to his descendants forever. Does that mean a hundred years? No. Does that mean until Abraham gets mad at his wife, Sarah? No. Does that mean until Abraham tells a lie? No. Does it mean 5,000 years? No. Why not? Because forever means forever. When God says forever, he means forever. Well, if Israel is going to have that land forever, is there going to be dirt in heaven? No. Is there any hint in the Bible that there will be an eternal earth? Yes. According to 2 Peter 3, the earth will, in the future, be cleansed by fire and restored to God's original design. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1 talks about this new earth, which will last forever. The term new means new in kind. A new earth, it's a cleansed earth, a restored earth. You can compare that to the passage in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says when a person believes in Christ, he becomes a new creation. Well, he's new in kind, cleansed, restored to a right relationship with God. The second characteristic of the Abrahamic covenant is that it is an eternal covenant. Therefore, the land of Israel, so-called Palestine, belongs to the Jews forever. The land of Israel belongs to the people of Israel forever. 
And the third characteristic is that it is unconditional. Notice again in verse 15, I give to you and your seed forever. I will give it to you. Verse 17, arise, walk through the land, its length and width, for I give it to you. Notice what the Lord does not say. He does not say, I will sell you this land. He does not say, you can purchase this land. He does not say, you can earn this land. What does the Lord say? He says, I give it to you. It's a gift. This land is the land of Canaan. This land is a gift to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the descendants of Jacob, all the Jews. Did Abraham do anything to deserve this land? No. It belongs to Abraham and Isaac, not Ishmael, and Jacob, not Esau, and all Israel's descendants as a gift. It is unconditionally given to Abraham and his promised seed, Lock, Stock, and Barrel, on the basis of grace. Now let me make a critical distinction. It is one thing to own something. It is another to possess it. Let me illustrate. Suppose someone gives you a car, paid for in cash, lock, stock, and barrel. It's your car. Now suppose someone steals your car. Well, do you still own the car? Yes. But are you possessing it? No. Let me share another illustration. Suppose your folks give you a house, paid for in cash. It's your house. Now suppose someone kidnaps you and takes you to another state and holds you for ransom. Do you still own the house? Yes. Are you possessing it? No. Well, it's the exact same thing for Israel. God gave the land of Israel to the Jews. He gave it to them 4,000 years ago in this Abrahamic covenant. They own it. But there have been times that they did not possess it. Like when they were conquered and enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. Or when they were conquered and deported to Babylon for 70 years. Or when they were conquered and scattered by Rome in AD 70. During those times, they were not fully possessing the land, but they still fully owned the land. By the way, it was not until AD 135, following a failed Jewish revolt, that Roman Emperor Hadrian expelled the Jews from Jerusalem and decreed that the city and surrounding territory be called Palestina. Palestina took its name from the coastal territory of the ancient Philistines, the enemies of the Israelites. So then, from that time on, it's been called Palestine. It had been called Israel for almost 2,000 years before this decree took place. Sadly, we're told, excuse me, it had been called Israel for over a thousand years, ever since the time of, that Joshua led the people in to conquer the land. Sadly, we're told in Ezekiel 35 and 36 that Edom and other nations took advantage of Israel's absence during these times when Israel was oppressed or routed or deported or enslaved. 
and they tried to take possession of the land. Interestingly, Ezekiel notes that even when Israel was forced out of her land, Israel's God was still in the land. It's important to note that history reveals that there has been a steady presence of Jews in their ancestral homeland ever since the days of Joshua, which was 1,400 years before Christ. Let me say that another way. The Jews have had a long and unbroken presence in the land of Israel. There's always been a remnant there, even in times when they were being deported or scattered. That's a topic that would require a separate study, would, rec- would cover many dates and statistics that we don't have time for in this podcast. In World War I, the Turkish Empire joined forces with Germany, and the war was carried to Palestine in October of 1914. Germany and Turkey lost that war, and the Ottoman Empire ceased to exist, and the League of Nations assigned Britain as the mandatory power over all that is now Jordan and Israel, including the West Bank and Golan Heights and Gaza Strip. At the end of the war, on November 2nd, 1917, the British issued the famous Balfour Declaration, which established Palestine as the homeland for the Jewish people. Uh, the Arabs opposed that decision. In 1922, the League of Nations gave the mandate over Palestine to Great Britain. The Arabs opposed that decision. In 1947, the United Nations proposed the establishment of two states in the region, one Jewish and one Arab, with the Jews getting all of Israel except the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, which went to the Arabs. And Jerusalem was to be an international city. The Jews reluctantly accepted that proposal. The Arabs opposed the proposal. The Jews declared their independence on May 14, 1948, and immediately five Arab countries joined forces to invade and destroy Israel once and for all. But the Jewish forces won. The Gaza Strip remained under Egypt's control, and the West Bank remained under Jordan's control. But Jordan then ruthlessly expelled all Jews from the West Bank after over 2,000 years in that land. The Jewish state of Israel constituted only one-sixth of one percent of what was known as the Arab world. But the Arabs have waged wars of terrorism and intifada against Israel from then until now. In the Six-Day War in 1967, Israel recovered the West Bank, the eastern part of Jerusalem, the Gaza Strip, they conquered and annexed the Golan Heights, and even conquered Egypt's Sinai Peninsula. It was only then that there was any claim that Palestine should have a state or even that they were a nationality. After the war, some Jews moved back into the West Bank, and it caused a great stir that some 20,000 families, they called them settlers, were buying land and building homes, in less than 2% of the West Bank region. But there's no concern about hundreds of thousands of Arabs who've moved into Israel proper and enjoy full rights as citizens of Israel. 
Israel acquired the West Bank and the Gaza Strip in defense of an aggressive war waged against her. And no country in history has been asked to give up land gained in war. Not Poland, not France, no, no one. Only Israel. The last sovereign over the West Bank and Gaza was the Ottoman Empire. These are unallocated territories, and Israel has full right to possess them. But Israel is being spoken of as an illegal occupier. It, it's slanderous. Israel is constantly being asked to give up land for peace with the Arabs. And they have many times given up land for peace. But then the radical Arabs, who have no desire for peace, have just used that land as a launching pad for attacks on Israel. Hamas is attacking from the Gaza Strip on the southern border. Hezbollah is attacking from the northern border of Israel. And Iran is backing these terrorist attacks. So what have we discovered? What do we know? We know that the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. God gave the descendants of Jacob the land of Israel forever. I wrote some lyrics that can be sung to the tune of Woody Guthrie's song, This Land is Your Land, to highlight this truth. This land is Israel's land, this land's not Arab land, from the Wadi El Arish to the river Euphrates, from the Mediterranean Sea to the Transjordan, God gave this land to Israel's seed. This land belongs to Israel's seed. Israel is the only country in the world that has the same name, the same land, and the same language as it did 4,000 years ago. Oh, Lord God, we pray for the peace of Israel. We pray that you would intervene and protect Israel from the vicious lies of the media and the barbarous attacks of terrorists. We pray for innocent Palestinians who recognize the right of Israel to exist. We pray for innocent Palestinians who are being used as a shield for Islamic terrorists. We pray that America will stand with Israel and do all we can to help them survive the genocidal ideology of Hamas and Hezbollah and other terrorist organizations. We pray against anti-Semitism and this Satan-inspired hatred of the Jews. We ask these things in the powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Next week, we will look at Psalm 100 and a call to worship. If you're new to the podcast, be sure to hit that follow or subscribe button. It's free. It'll remind you of each new weekly podcast. If you've not yet done so, please give the podcast a five-star rating. Share this podcast with your family and your friends. Share this podcast with your classmates and your coworkers. I love teaching the Word of God and hearing of its impact on others. This is Dr. Harlan Betts. Wishing you a great week and God's blessings. I'm honored that you're joining me in this passionate quest for wisdom from above. <laughs>